Some words from the Gospel of Matthew. Now when Jesus heard that John the Baptist had been executed, he withdrew from where he was in a boat to a deserted place by himself. Whilst many of the restrictions we have faced this year have been difficult, amongst the hardest I have found has been funerals. I've not conducted as many as I thought I might, but I had a couple in quick succession earlier in the year that really stood out for me. One was for my own mother-in-law. We could only have a tiny handful of people in the crematorium, all directed to be spread out as far as possible. Not close enough for any sort of physical contact. And the very next day I did another funeral. I'd conducted this man's wife's funeral a few years earlier. It was one of the busiest funerals I ever did. Uh, I believe it was the only time in my seven years in the Harrow that we had to pull back the sliding doors which partitioned the church from the main hall so that we could extend the worship area. And it was that one had been a West Indian style funeral with the open casket and people filing past it. It was a really big occasion. Whereas this time we weren't allowed to use the church at all. And again, only a small handful were allowed in the crematorium. No open casket allowed. All sorts of restrictions in place. And again, there was just something unnatural about having to keep my distance from those who mourned. And so in a sense, I know it's never easy to lose someone you love, but... This year, in so many ways, it's felt especially hard. Not only has COVID taken so many from us, it has also invaded our grief processes and taken that away too. Many haven't had the chance to say goodbye to those they love. Or even had that moment of closure when the curtains close at the crematorium or the casket is lowered into the ground at the graveyard. There have been many signs and warnings of increased mental health problems resulting from COVID. And I fear the inability to process grief properly will contribute more to this. In yesterday's reflection, I mentioned a few occasions where we see Jesus experiencing grief. And today we're cons- we consider one of those moments. Every year around this time, many churches will take a bit of time to reflect on John the Baptist, someone who prepared the way for Jesus. We did that at Harrow Baptist on Sunday. We reflected on John when he's languishing in prison, hearing news of what Jesus was doing, but somehow it just wasn't quite what John had in mind. So he sent some messengers to Jesus to ask him, Are you the one we should be waiting for or should we expect someone else? Jesus' response was to point to what was happening. The blind receiving sight, the lame walk, lepers are being cleansed, the dead are raised, good news is proclaimed to the poor. Jesus was pointing John towards a prophecy in the book of Isaiah 
which John had probably held quite dear. And we might hope that John drew some hope or comfort from Jesus' response. But we're not actually told whether he did or not. And in the build-up to today's reading, we read of the brutal end of John's life. John had been thrown in prison for daring to challenge the ruler Herod for stealing his brother's wife. Sometime later, Herod throws a party. And at that party, his wife's daughter, Salome, performs what we're called, what's called a dance for them. Let's just say it's fairly erotic. And Herod starts to think with a part of his body about a few, a few inches south of his waistband. And that caused him to make rash promises about giving her whatever she wanted. And after consulting with her mother, she asked for the head of John the Baptist. And this really wasn't something that Herod wanted, but having so publicly made a promise, he was too weak to back down. And so John was killed so he could keep a lust-filled promise. And here we see Jesus connect with his grief. Luke's gospel tells us that John and Jesus were actually quite re related, that their mothers were cousins. And perhaps something of what had happened to John also brought home to Jesus the reality of what lay ahead of him. It's shortly after this that we start to read of Jesus telling the disciples of how he would go up to Jerusalem. And be killed. But Jesus makes space to grieve. Many of us, even in better times, try to find ways of avoiding grief. We bottle it up. We push it down. We try not to think too much about it. Maybe we try to numb our feelings with alcohol, drugs, comfort food. More acceptably, we, but just as dangerously, we might try to bury ourselves in work to the detriment of our mental health and our family life. Jesus sought to make space be alone with God and to name his grief, to bring what he was experiencing honestly to his father. You know, Jesus knew all about the eternal hope for those who trust in God. And Jesus knew that John had played a very important role in the kingdom of God. He probably had great hopes for John's eternal destiny. But none of that diminished the sense of loss he felt. Instead, he brought it honestly to God. This time of year can be very difficult for those living with loss. Many will have uh, an empty space at the dining table this year. And our worship should make space for that. 
A God who's only there for the good times is not really much of a God. We need a God who is with us and holds us in the difficult times as well. And perhaps at Advent, more than any other time of the year, hope and sorrow hold hands. So if you are going into this Christmas feeling that way, my prayer is that you will find strength in others around you. That you will find in God a father of compassion and a God of all comfort. To wrap up today's reflection, I'm going to include a song written by Sam Hargreaves, who has been responsible for the worship and the waiting uh, resources that I've been basing our Advent stuff around. It's about a God who is there for us in the sorrow as much as in the good times. And that we can bring it all to God. It's called, There's a Time for Tears. Grace and peace to you. Amen. There's a time.